You are now tuning into the Four Feathers podcast brought to you by Chicago Sports Nation. Welcome to episode two of the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani, and I am joined by Tony Marchese, Tyler Jones, and Ron Luce. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing good, Johnny. We're watching some hockey right now, and that's always a good thing. Doing Absolutely. well, my friend. Doing well. Ron? Doing very well, and it uh, feels good to be actually here with you guys this time. Yeah, we had to roll three feathers last week, but our fourth is finally here. Ron, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit since we all covered our uh, bases last week? Sure. So um, to those that don't know me, my name is Ron Luce. Um, I am a primarily a Blackhawks blogger for uh, Shy Sports Nation. Um, I do some stuff with the Wagrin parent entity as well on the fantasy football side. Um and I'm also now a contributor with The Rink. Uh, I know Tony brought that up on the last episode. Thank you for not holding that against me. <laughs> um, just kind of a little rundown. Uh, I can kind of pinpoint um, my Hawks fandom circa. It was uh, Denny Savard's last full season as, uh, as head coach. Um, games were coming back on TV. Uh, my dad and my older brother are diehard Hawks fans, have been for forever. Um, would sit down with them and you know, finally watch some games on TV. And then that next season I got to go to my first game and, um, James was news at the time was a Hawks defenseman, uh, hooked up my brother, uh, my brother served, uh, multiple tours in Iraq, uh, in the army. So my dad, my brother and I got to go to the game and sit on the glass and go in the locker room on Halloween, um, the year before the first cup. And that was my first Hawks game. And I was hooked, um, and haven't looked back since. And, um, just a, a quick, I guess I can't pick a favorite cup because I have a good memory from each of them. I think you brought this up last week. Uh, the whole superstitions and kind of, you know, um, of that series, the four games they won, uh, it was only my mother, my father, my one of my best friends, me and my two younger brothers in the house. Um, same T-shirts. We ate the same food for dinner each of those nights. We had I'm, firehouse yeah, I'm, subs. I'm eating this up. I'm eating this up so hard right now. <laughs> firehouse subs. <laughs> We, we had the same sandwich. We all sat in the same chair. And the two games they lost, it was because my buddy's cousin came over and my older brother was in town. So we swear that is why they lost. But This um, shit works. This it shit really, really does work. I, I swear it does. I, was, I mean, I played college football as well. So I, I'm all about the superstition. You know, left cleat on before right cleat. You know, left knee brace before right knee brace. The whole, the whole shebang. You know, everybody's got their own little things. But um, – Happy to finally be here with you guys. I listened to last week's episode and I had really bad FOMO and uh, I was I was <laughs> upset. So glad glad to be here for episode number two. Yeah, it's great to have you on, Ron. So we got a lot of good things coming for you guys this episode. Um, first of all, we have our first guest and it's a huge guest. Big, we, big guest. Big guest. We are going to have Barstool Chief of Redline Radio joining us here momentarily. Um other than that, we'll be talking uh, preseason. There is one preseason game after tonight. We're recording this on a Thursday, so this game's just finishing up tonight, and then there'll be one more on Saturday. I'll be at that one, actually. Um, we're going to talk roster moves, uh, 
guys being sent down to Rockford or the OHL. Uh, we'll chat. We'll talk projected opening night lineups, and we'll wrap it up with a few miscellaneous Hawks items. So, um, with that, let's get to our guest, Barstool Chief. All right, we are now joined by Barstool Chief from Redline Radio. How are you doing tonight, Ryan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, boys. Yeah, thank you for coming on the uh, podcast. We really appreciate it. You're our first guest, and it's a huge guest, so we really appreciate it. Um, before we dive into Hawks talk, do you want to tell us, the listeners a little bit about the recent big news for Redline Radio? Yeah, so um, we were acquired by Barstool, so you know it's myself, uh, White Sox Dave, who I think you guys know, uh, Barstool Carl, who does Cubs, and uh, and Eddie, who's our Bears guy. And, you know, we've all been with Barstool. Um, I want to say since 2013 is when I kind of came on uh, that that second Stanley Cup run for the Hawks. I, I picked up in April of like right before the playoffs of that year. So. Uh, we've all been involved for a while, but you know we've been doing this podcast now. Um, Dave and Dave and Carl been doing it as a baseball podcast for I think they had done like fifty something episodes, and then uh, we were all kind of in talks with Barstool about being picked up, and it was determined that you know it, it wouldn't work as a baseball podcast year round, so they wanted to make it uh, totally Chicago sports. So. Uh, that's kind of where I came in to, to provide some hockey, obviously, and a little football and and uh, just, a, you know, a different voice on the podcast. And uh, Barstool officially picked it up uh, right at the end of August. All the papers were signed. So, yeah, we're, we're really excited. So they're doing all the distribution and uh, provided a lot of help with uh, all the social media and graphic design and all the shit that, uh, us four idiots don't know how to do so uh it's been it's been a good experience so far yeah it was great really appreciate you coming out to the uh tailgate on saturday and then we had barstool at the park back in uh june it's always great to see you and carl and dave out there um so let's jump right into the hawks here uh do we you, have to uh, <laughs> uh yeah i think we're gonna um so yesterday on redline radio uh, or was that Tuesday when you guys uh, dropped it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you had talked about possibility of trading Boquist, and some people are going to be thrown off by that because you're talking about you know this guy, our eighth overall pick this past year. But can you just sum up a little bit of what you said in case people might not have caught it on Redline? Yeah. So I and I've been stating on on Twitter a little bit too. I do want to. I, I feel like it's the the message that I've been trying to deliver on that has not really been hitting home. So I'm glad you. You asked. Um, I want to start by saying I think he's going to be a really, really, really good player. So I see all the same things everybody else sees that uh, that you know they've fallen in love with him. Great skater, great offensive instincts. Uh, hopefully he can use his uh, skating to you know get himself out of trouble, so he doesn't really have to battle and, and do some of the things that uh, he'd be physically limited. And I think he can because he is a smart player too. Uh, at least it appears that way in, in a small sample. Um, but I just think that, you know, the Hawks, they've invested so heavily um, in defense in, in recent years in the draft, and they, they don't really have any cavalry coming uh, to help the forward group now, and they desperately need it. Uh, you know, they've traded away some of their guys, uh, younger prospects that they've had come through the system, and Ryan Hartman and Vinny Henestroza. 
so with no real replacement in sight. I mean, we've seen, you know, I really like Dylan Sakura. Uh, I think he'll be a nice player, but I would guess that he doesn't make the team out of camp. So then, you, you know, you're left with Chris Kunitz. And um, I, I, get, I mean, I hate to keep shitting on Brandon Saad, but he hasn't really done it uh, for me. He was awful tonight, like just not engaged, you know. So it's like, what are you going to get out of him for $6 million? I really think that this team, if Crawford plays, is not that far away from being um, in the mix. You know, they're, they're clearly not with uh, the Nashvilles and Winnipegs of the world, but uh, I, I do think that they could be in that next tier. And, uh, you know, I'm still a guy that wants to enjoy watching hockey and, and watch them. Uh, win some games and make the playoffs and do all that. I'd rather, I'd always rather be in the playoffs than not. Uh, last year was the worst. So I would be in favor of trading Boquist, not because I think he's going to be a bust or something. I just think that he has the most trade value. And I think that probably only went up uh, this September. Mm. But, you know, I believe in Joki Haru. I think he'll be a top four type guy. And I really, really believe in uh, Ian Mitchell. So, you know, I got to spend a little bit of time with uh, University of Denver Hockey last spring. Uh, I was out in Denver and skated with those guys. And uh, I know a couple of different guys in that program. And I and I know uh, I've had some conversations with uh, Jim Montgomery. the, the co- He's now the coach of the Stars, but he was a coach at Denver last year. And. I just think he's a special player, and he's got all the he does all the right things on and off the ice. Uh, his game is, you know, I don't want to call him Duncan Keith, but there's a lot of similarities there. He's a little bit bigger than Boquist, but you know, he skates, he can run your power play, he's good defensively, he plays all the big minutes, all situations. He's just, you know, a little further along in his development, and I think his ceiling is really, really exceptionally high. And so, if you have Seabrook signed through 2024. Uh, now we're just talking about the right side. And then you got Joki Haru on the team right now. He's going to break camp with the team. And then you have Ian Mitchell. There's your right side. And that's not even counting, you know, uh, Connor Murphy, who's in the fold. And then on the other side, you know, so if you were going to put, you know, Connor Murphy or someone say, say someone plays their, their offside of that right-handed group, uh, you still have Nick Bowden coming, who I actually was quite impressed with, uh, in the couple scrimmages and preseason games that I saw, I really like him a lot, actually. Uh, Blake Hillman's in that mix. Forzing's in that mix. The, the point is, uh, Dennis Gilbert, they have a ton of talented young defensemen. And so I think if you if you remove Boquist, it's, you know, it's not an ideal situation. Ideally, you would just have a good team right now, and you could just stash him in London for a year or two and not have to worry about it. But because I, I really do believe in, in Joki Haru and, and Ian Mitchell, it's almost like you you have to give up something to get something, and if Bolquist can be a part of uh, a deal to get get you a guy like Mark Stone, who we saw tonight, I I have such like a man crush on Mark Stone. I just think he's an awesome player. He's so good defensively, unbelievable shot. Uh, you know, one of those guys who you just you just know he's going to get you twenty to twenty five goals a year every single year, uh, and and he you know and maybe more. You put him with. Patrick Kane, or you put him off as, you know, you know, on a, on a line with a true, true playmaker. I mean, watch out. I mean, he, he and he does have a lot of that Marion Hulsa type of, of game, maybe not the uh, 
um, high end speed that Hosa had in his prime, but not too far off. Like he can, he can motor out there a little bit and he's a pretty big body takes the puck away and shields the puck. I mean, that's like, it just seems like that's a, a possession driving type of player that they just don't have. They're a little, and he's, he's bigger. They just don't have a lot of size on their wings either. And, uh, you know, so I would be willing to give up a trade chip like, like a Boquist if it meant getting something that can help the team win now because the, the window is closing. And I don't want to wait for Boquist in three years, you know, three or four or five years, however long it takes for him to be a really big time impact player. Uh, as an NHL defenseman when everybody else is washed. So, like, what's the point of that? So let's win now, and if it's if it blows up in our face in a few years, then so be it. At least we tried to maximize, you know, generational-type talents and Taves and Kane and Keith. Do you really think that Stan Bowman would actually pull the trigger on a deal like that, though, Ryan? I- no, no, absolutely <laughs> not. This is me talking. Stan is – I don't think yeah. Stan knows what to do. I feel like he's changed his mind about the direction of the team so many different times in the last uh, year and a half or whatever. And, and he doesn't know, like, I think it's just like, however the wind's blowing that day. And I think, you know, watching them tonight again, I know it's preseason and Kane didn't play, but God, they look lifeless. And, you know, you're trying to get ready for the season. You're trying to be, you know, bounce back year. And, you know, for this, after you got embarrassed, you know, and again, I, I know it's preseason. I'm trying so hard not to overreact to some stupid game in September, but I just, I was disappointed on Tuesday. I was disappointed tonight. And it's just, you know, I want I want to have fun watching this team again. And and I I'm a little get it becoming pessimistic about it. Yeah, and Ryan, I mean, speaking of, you know, this current team that we're watching tonight, now that the decor we're down to the seven, um, pretty much set for the opening night roster, obviously minus Murphy because of injury. Um, what do you think they're going to do this year, especially a guy like Yoki Haru? I know you're high on him. What do you think he's going to do, um, assuming that he's probably on the roster until Murphy returns? I think he will end up being on the roster for the whole year. I, I mean, I know he didn't look he didn't look great tonight, but, I mean, he didn't look terrible. And he played, you know, with Duncan Keith. Um, so, I don't know. I, I think, I mean, talk about expectations. If he's playing with Keith, that means he's playing at least 20-plus minutes a night. I'd like to see him, uh, again, I don't love the 1-3-1 for this team, but they seem committed to that for some god-awful reason. I don't want to get into a whole thing about the 1-3-1, but now, like, it just brought it up. They, if you're going to run that system, you have to have guys that can bomb it from the tops of circles and, you know, from outside the dots. And they just don't have that anywhere. And so you're wondering why they're 28th in the league. It's because they don't have Subban, Ovechkin, Stamkos, all these guys who can just fucking fire it um, on on their roster. So I'd like, you know, I just don't know what they're doing on that front. So I, I do, I would like Joki Hario up top because I think he can get shots, get pucks through at least. And uh, I would be, I'd, I'd like to see him get some power play time. I think he's going to be a good player. And, you know, it'll be nice to have a guy who can, you know, win races back, you know, turn turn and go and go get a puck behind his net and then make, you know, a couple quick strides and, and either skate it out of trouble himself or move it up the ice. We saw a couple times where it was like, oh, man, he's going to be in trouble. And then he finds the, the wide side winger. So he's got some good awareness out there, and he certainly has the wheels. So I'm sure there will be bumps along the way, but I expect him to play, I mean, if he's healthy, I would be surprised if he played less than 60 games. So I think he'll be on the team the majority of the night because they just don't have a lot of other options. 
And do you yeah, think he's and, paired with Keith for a majority of the season? I don't know. Well, I mean, they've done that in the past where they pair Keith with younger defensemen. You know, we saw it last year with Osterley. I mean, he mm-hmm. played a lot with uh, Trevor Van Riemsdyk when he was here. Um, you know, I think if it were up to Keith and Seabrook, they would play together. Uh, but they just don't have anyone else that they can really trust. So if you're only going to have one pair, you know, that <laughs> makes for a long, yeah. yeah, it makes for a long season. So, um, Seabrook, I think he actually, you know, we, I've talked a lot about how he's so skinny on Twitter and stuff. And I think, I think to me, like he does look like he's moving better out there. Yeah, so, he didn't look bad tonight. I, I didn't no, think he looked he, bad tonight at all. Yeah. And he had a couple of like, I wouldn't, I mean, Again, I'm not really looking too much at like the the score sheet in that Detroit game, so I know he had a few, you know if you want to count minuses or whatever, I don't really care about that. But I just thought you know he looked in, more engaged offensively. He was jumping in the in the cycle a couple times, mm-hmm. uh, which we hadn't seen him do in a while. I I went to one of the scrimmages and he was easily the most physical player on the ice. Um, so I, I think you know I think he probably feels good about himself and his body and and ready for the season. So it would not shock me if he were like a legitimate top four guy again, you know, a legitimate second pair guy again. Um, and I think in theory, playing him with Gustafson might might be okay because um, Gustafson, you know, he can kind of freelance a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and he's a guy who can skate it out of trouble too. But at least if you got Seabrook back there as kind of the anchor and and stabilizer, then maybe he can cover up for some of. Gossipson's, uh, you know, wayward decisions, we'll say. Right. Yeah. So we pretty much know what the D is going to be with how they've trimmed the roster. Um, let's talk a little bit up front now. Uh, some guys, young guys that you think could make some noise. What are your thoughts on Dominic Cahoon? I've liked him. I mean, again, very small sample size, but he seems to have pretty good vision, uh, good skater, creative. Uh, you know, again, going back to that scrimmage I went to, I just popped my head in there one day. Um, and he made a couple plays like in around the net where I was like, Oh, like, you know, I was, I was just kind of surprised cause I, I just, I don't know. It seemed like they, like he was a guy, they just took a flyer on and I know he had the big Olympics in the world, but the guy coming from the German league, I was like, you know, whatever we'll, we'll see. But he, he's looked good and he, you know, looks like he's got, you know, pretty good hockey IQ and good hands, quick feet. And I don't think I've seen him you know, get into that top gear. So I'm not going to like judge his like straight ahead speed, but he's got good quickness at least. So, um, so I, I do, I like him. I, I don't know if, you know, that's a tough spot for a first year guy coming over from the German league to now suddenly be on uh, uh, Jonathan Taves' right wing, uh, top line on a team that, you know, at least publicly says they want to compete. But uh, he certainly has been, he certainly earned that spot more than Dylan Sakura or, uh, Chris Kunitz or anyone else. So, or sad, or sad, for sure. So, uh, and I do, I do like, you know, I, I didn't, I don't know if I've blogged this yet or not. My brain's a little foggy, but I think in theory, they could be like a poor man's version of, uh, uh no, an, ex- an extremely poor man's version. Okay. I want to make that clear. But a similar attacking style uh, to what Kane, uh, Anisimov, and Panarin did, where you have a center who's pretty responsible defensively, but you know, big and strong and goes to the net and can finish around the net. Uh, Taves can certainly do that, like Anisimov. Uh, you got a big time, you know, you got a one-time option at left wing with Debrinket. He's got a great release, 
And then your your speedy, quick guy with the vision and playmaking is Cahoon. And that's like, you know, the, the poorest of poor man's version of, of Patrick Kane. So uh, you could see you could see a similar look there that it would be uh, kind of interesting. So we'll see. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to be optimistic, but you guys caught me at the wrong time. So, <laughs> so at, immediately after that uh, auto game on the heels of the Detroit game. Yeah. Well, speaking of second line centers, um, a guy that I think we think that you're pretty high on, but we want to hear your take on him. Tell us about what your thoughts are on Nick Schmaltz. Yeah. I mean, they've moved them to wing. Um, he's exceptionally fast. I don't think he, and, and a good playmaker he's got, I wish he used his shot more cause he has a really good shot. Um, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he is defensively, the way he tracks back. He seems to get on and use his speed and, and closes on guys and use He's got a great stick. He takes the puck away a lot. He's been doing this thing. Um, he did it again tonight and he did it against Detroit where, you know, teams are kind of, you know, breaking the puck out and he's like maybe the fifth guy coming back and he catches the guy right before he crosses the blue line. Like the defenseman or the winger is slowing up to create options on his side of the blue line. Schmaltz picks his pocket, and it's like a little mini odd man break. He's done that elite. He did at least once tonight and at least once against Detroit. So he's really good defensively. I do think he's better as a center. I also think that they might want to explore breaking up uh, Schmaltz and Kane. Now, I know, you know, kind of breaking news, or maybe not, Kane wants to play with Schmaltz, okay? Like, and Kane, I think they kind of give him what he wants because he's just the man and he's so smart. And they're just, and if he says he wants to play with Schmaltz, then the coaching staff and everyone else is going to kind of get in line. But I think Kane can kind of play with anyone, um, and Schmaltz is good enough to carry a line by himself. I would, I would like to see Schmaltz center the third line, and. Uh, you put uh, you put Debrinket with Kane and Anisimov again. Look kind of similar look to what they had with Panarin, and then you put maybe Schmaltz with with Taves on a wing, or maybe you have Schmaltz, like I said, center that third line. Um, and because I just don't know how you create any any balance on this team. And it, it, as it stands right now, they have no juice, no offensive ability in their bottom six. Like it's mm-hmm. it's going to be dry. And so if you can only roll out there with two lines, I just, I don't know. And I kind of think Kane is always going to be able to carry a line by himself. Um, so that's, that's kind of where my thinking is on that, but I don't know. It's hard to cobble together, you know, four lines and, and feel good about it. Yeah. And I mean, to your point, you know, he Schmaltz has shown that kind of the big playability, um, something that I think we as a group are really interested in hearing because we've talked about it a little bit. Um, early on last year, Schmaltz, Hartman, Kane opened the season as the two line and they looked good. Uh, I was personally at the Columbus game early on. They were flying around, they were buzzing and then Schmaltz got dinged up a little bit, left the game and tried to come back, but then just, he was gone for a little bit. Do you think that kind of shook his confidence for the rest of the year last year? Like, what do you think happened? Cause early on he came out buzzing and then he, it looks like he lost a little bit of flair as the year went on. Yeah, I would certainly agree with that. I don't know if it was a confidence thing or or maybe just he wasn't as carefree uh, going fast through the middle of the ice because, I mean, that was really that, that Pittsburgh game too. He really attacked with speed through the middle and created all kinds of lanes and confusion and space for, for Kane and Hartman. And I agree, that line looked phenomenal. Um, and then he, Jack Johnson kind of ran him and cleaned his clock and he was out for a bit and he came back and, 
he wasn't quite the same player. I mean, he didn't have a bad year by any stretch, but that first that, that first week or whatever of the season, three, four games, three games maybe, it was like this guy might get like – he might be a point-per-game player if, if he plays like this every night. And um, and they just – you know, the, the season, you know, got away from him kind of quickly, right? I mean, it was like they were kind of plodding along, like looked okay. They are in the playoff race for the first half of the year, and then um, – but didn't never really looked as good as they did right at the start of the year, uh, and then it all fell apart. And Saad's game went to shit, and Schmaltz wasn't quite as dynamic, and and then uh, you know Murphy was not up to uh, up to par, and you know Crawford is done. So then it was like, oh shit, they suck the whole second half of the year. So, um, but yeah, I, I think that was probably a factor getting his bell rung, and um, and. I don't know. I, it's. I think he can be a little bit of a front runner in general. So uh, you know, that I think when the team went in the tank, he kind of he kind of was part of that because uh, you know I don't think he's a guy that's going to wrestle a game back or a season back. That's just not his personality the way it is with uh, some other guys. So um, yeah, I think there's a, there are a few contributing factors, but he was definitely not the same player he was after he got after he took that hit. You mentioned it a little bit there, um, the goaltender situation. What do you think the best viable option is right now? I mean, with Crawford kind of being in the midst, we don't really know. And, you know, Cam Ward looking atrocious in Detroit the other day. And, you know, Forsberg as well, not looking so great. Yeah, you're talking best viable option, like, currently under contract? Probably, yeah. Or trade. What What do you think would be the best route to go? Well, I mean... You have whatever five point four um, in cap space, but you know. Are you really going to go spending more money on a goalie when you've already locked up three mil in Cam Ward, Tyler? At, no, yeah, I don't exactly. know. yeah, I, I, yeah. That's what I. That's what I was going to say. So now, like Crawford, they assume he's coming back. You know, that's what they keep saying. So then you're looking at, you know, if Crawford comes back and he can be himself, then you're fine. Obviously, that's the best option. We just get mm-hmm. our get our all star goalie back. But if he's not himself or he can't come back, then now like you're you're locked up at nine million dollars in goalies. So I just I, I mean, what do you do like Garrett Sparks or somebody? I mean like I, I just I don't know. I mean I just don't think that there's really an upgrade. I like Colin Delia, um, but I don't think he's ready to step in and be a, a number one goalie in the NHL. I think he's kind of a he's an interesting developmental guy. Um, I think he is an NHL goalie, but maybe not right now. And uh, so, yeah, it's just uh, it's tough. I don't know. I mean, that, that's obviously that's one of the biggest factors for the whole season. Like if Crawford plays and, you know, when he was playing last year, they were in pretty good shape. And I know Cam Ward had a rough night last night, but I, I think he I do think that he will be an upgrade over Forsberg, Glass, Berube, all those guys that had last year who were trash. So. Um, so I think, you know, and just having a veteran back there too, that, that the players trust, maybe that allows them to play their own game a little bit. I know that was an issue last year that everybody would, especially like a guy like Duncan Keith was just squeezing the stick all year long. So I, I think that Cam Ward will be fine, but if he's your, if he starts 55 plus games, you're not a playoff team. Mm-hmm. So there are no good options. <laughs> if it's not Crawford, then they are. Fuck. Well, it's a weird situation, yeah. right? They're saying concussion, but like, 
I mean, when was the, the last game he played was what we talked about on last episode, November? Last December November. 27th against New Jersey. Yeah. Oh, I was I mean, going to say the 23rd, but... That's... Yeah. No, I somewhere mean, around there, yeah. Yeah. I, You've I seen can... guys come back quicker from a concussion than that. I mean, how much is it going to impact the way he plays the game? Yeah, I mean, everybody's different, and he's had a couple, and, you know, he's... I don't want to get... I don't know. He he had some other symptoms, I would say. Um, they were a little bit more severe than your typical. Yeah. Right. Um, so. Yeah. A lot uh, of people said like vertigo, like kind of like what Bickle had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Bickle's was always MS. It was just misdiagnosed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. But, so I don't think that was the thing with Crawford. But, you know, if you look at a guy in the past, like maybe a Mark Savard in Boston, mm-hmm. um, you know, he one of the things that he talks about because he he was uh, i mean his concussions ended his career that he really had crippling depression too and i think that that you know that could have been uh, an issue with crawford as well okay right. i don't know but yeah there's something else out there it's, yeah and the team's yeah. not going to publicly comment on it I, th- I think we talked about that a little bit last week yeah. you just got to hope that he comes back and is able to perform at least 80 yeah. to 90 percent of what he did before uh, and that's uh, like everybody, I think we're all in agreement here. There's there's no good option outside of Crawford right now, and there's really it, it would be dumb money for Stan to stay, sink any more any more cap space into goalie uh, at, at this point in time. The dumb only way you Stan's do forte, man. <laughs> the only way you do that is if you know Crawford goes. It's December or whatever, and he just decides he doesn't want to play anymore, and uh, with these you know never really comes back from the concussion issues. And then he's only got one year left. So you just LTIR him and you use his money on, on his replacement of the future. So I don't know who that would be. Um, you know, I have any, I, I you know, it <laughs> sounds so stupid, but I don't, I don't want to jinx anything. So I'm not, I, I like refuse to look at potential backup goalies or whatever on cap friendly. Like I just, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. I just want Crawford <laughs> to be fine and, and just, but that would be that would be the option, right? Because, I mean, you could theoretically, if Crawford really is done, you can call up Montreal and go get Carey Price at ten million a year, knowing that you got Crawford six, whatever your cap space is now, plus Cam Ward's three coming off, and then you go in next year with Cam um, with Carey Price and Delia, and your your money is not. You know, that's maybe a million and a half off of what you were spending on goalies anyway. So uh, you yeah. can, you, you, I mean, again, it would take, I'm not saying that would, that's what would happen, but there are, you can get creative um, to make something happen. Yeah. Uh, hopefully we're not dealing with that situation. Hopefully yeah, it's yeah. theoretical, but I mean, I, I agree. There is pieces to move there, especially if you take out those cap numbers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So last week we all kind of went, did a little roundtable and said who we think is going to be our next uh, like staple of the Blackhawks franchise. Um, who who would that be for you? What are we doing? Like twenty five and under? I mean, is there, I, yeah, I'd say. Yeah, like, is, there, is there anybody on this current roster even that you could see being the next face of the franchise? I know we we still have Kane and Taves around for a while, but uh, I think we brought this up when we were talking a little Bachwist and and. Yokohario, um, is there anybody here that you see being a, I don't know, a standout player uh, like a Kane or Taves? Who, who's, who do you think would be the next face of the franchise if you had to look through our our prospects currently? I mean, 
look, I mean, you have Taves, Kane, and Keith. Um, those guys are all going to the Hall of Fame. They're probably they're all getting their number retired. They're probably all getting statues. Like this has been like they are. This is the golden generation of Blackhawks hockey. So to say that there's going to be somebody like of that level is probably probably won't happen for like another 25 years. Like it's just like, it, it's, it's so rare. Right. So you're probably not going to have anybody quite like that. I, in terms of like a leadership and, and an, I really like, I, I am so high on Ian Mitchell. Like I, I feel like he is like the forgotten um, guy in this whole thing because he didn't go to camp because everyone knew he was going back to Denver this year. But if I were going to pick one of those three guys, one of the, of Bolquist, Mitchell, and Yoki Haru to be like a like a Norris type guy, I think I would go Mitchell because he skates, you know, just as well as Yoki Haru, but he's smart. He's so smart. He moves the puck, um, and he's he's just incredibly driven. Like he is, he's already like he's already you know one of their leaders at a program that had, you know, uh, they coming off a national championship, and he stepped into Will Butcher's role, and it was like they didn't miss a beat. As a true, as an eighteen-year-old true freshman in college hockey, which I don't think people realize, being an eighteen-year-old true freshman is pretty rare now. Like most guys go to junior for a couple of years and then come in. So, um, so you know, he he's a really really special player, and the only reason he went in the second round is because he was going the college route, which means he had to play um, in the Alberta Junior Hockey League, which is not great. So. Um, if he had played in the O or, or the WHL, he would have probably been a, uh, a first round pick. So the Hawks got a little, I think they got a steal there getting him in the second round. And I think he'll be, he, I would not be surprised as long as Stan doesn't fucking trade him to get rid of some other, to get rid of Connor Murphy's contract or some stupid shit like that. As long as he doesn't do that, I would say that, you know, he's got a chance to one day be the captain of the Blackhawks. Like I, I'm, I'm super high on him. So you brought up a really bad Stan trade. We want to know what you think Stan's worst trade in his tenure as GM is. Man. Why well, do you want to go through his greatest hits? I mean, it's hard to – I thought that first sod trade was bad. Getting Anisimov and Deneau and like – I mean, if you don't if you don't insist upon getting Anisimov back, which everyone – like even back then, the league was going to like a different way, right? Yeah. It was going speed, skill, smaller size. It was going a different way. And he took an aging center and extended him immediately, a guy who's never been a great skater. So it was like, if you didn't do that, then you probably maybe could have kept Sharp and Steven Johns. So if you just gave Sod away, you know, for draft picks or whatever, you would have been a lot better off. But, or you could have just signed Sod to that same deal since yeah. you, you, you know, like, then I would say the Panarin one for Saad. <laughs> Saad's been, it's been bad going both ways, from bad to worse. And so that one, obviously, you give up a guy who's that good. Um, that's tough. But really, I mean, really the one for me is, is the Jalmerson because they're, they're so thin on defense now. And that was a deal you didn't have to make. Um, and, Jal, you know, they, he talked about having cap certainty and, they, you know, cap predictability going forward and you trade um Jalmerson for Murphy and Murphy's only making three hundred thousand dollars less but you're like oh Jalmerson needs a new deal well he signed that new deal and it was for five million 
I mean, you're gonna you're paying Connor Murphy and Brandon Manning a combined six point one. When they come back, they both might be in the press box. And then same thing with Jan Ruda is making two point three. So you got eight eight and a half million dollars tied up in three guys who stink. You'd re- you'd be better off just having Jalmerson. So, I mean that that one to me. I mean, and he's just such a leader. He does everything the right way, um, and you know stabilizes things back there. And it's just I don't know that one just. That one really bothered me. That one, it's like you fucking idiot. What are you like? What are you doing? And that, and you know, then you heard the stories that Joel Quenville was at some reception. He gets the text that they traded Jomerson, and he, you know, storms out because he knows he knows that Stan just fucked up. He went to the World Junior Champ or the World uh, Championships, where Connor Murphy was the captain because he's got you know he's a nice kid, and he works out a lot. Okay, so yeah. he, you know, it's like he's a dedicated guy, but he can't make a ten foot pass. So, you know, and I like Connor Murphy. I wish he was a, a more affordable third pair uh, type defenseman. I'd be totally fine with that. But you can't, you can't give up, uh, you know, a guy who is another guy whose number might be who I think should be retired. I think if you win three Stanley Cups, fucking retire their number, and and you give him up. And you get a guy who doesn't can't even be in the lineup every night last year because it's just he's a healthy scratch. So you went from a guy who gave you an automatic 23, 24 good minutes a night to a guy who is in the press box. That's that's fucking bad trade. That's to save three hundred thousand dollars. Fuck you. God damn it, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, that, that was pretty bad. I I'm not huge on Connor Murphy. We had talked about it a little before you had jumped on. Um, I don't know that. It, it it pisses me off too going back and thinking about all those deals, but we can't do shit about them right now. Yeah. So we kind of want to relive a little bit of the good times. Mm. We all went around and said it uh, last uh, our first episode. We want to know what was your favorite Stanley Cup and why. Give us a little story. Hmm. Uh, and how'd you celebrate them? Yeah, we got to know all of it. <laughs> well, so that's like those are like. Not to be like the dick, but the celebration of 15 was the best because I got to celebrate with the team on the bus and do, you know, we're in all the all the party drinking out of the cup, all of that. Um, Thank you, Scott Darling. Um, So, you know, so that was obviously that was the best one. All right. By far uh, for celebration purposes. But my favorite team to watch was that that. 2013 team actually i don't know like 10 and 13 were both so awesome i love that 2010 team because they could just beat you any way you wanted you want to get a high pace up and down skill game they can obviously do that all day long you want to try to brawl it out well we got <laughs> ben eager and burrish and bufflin and they'll bufflin will throw you in the stance like they, they that was a mean tough team too but that that 13 team i would say is the best and that Detroit series was unbelievable. Like you know, the fact that it was Detroit, come from behind, all of that was just spectacular. The the way they beat the Kings after, after losing to you know after the Kings were the defending Stanley Cup champion that was awesome. And then the original six matchup uh, and thirteen and obviously two goals in the seventeen seconds. It was just like that was just such a fun and special run. Um, so I don't know. I mean, they're, they're all special to me. I don't know how, like, you know, the, obviously 15 was my favorite, like memories and celebration, 
13 was like I know that was the best team and 10 was obviously the first one and my and my favorite team because just stylistically and, and personalities they had a lot of personalities on that team so I don't know I, I just I can't it's like picking between your kids I guess I, yeah. I just can't I can't pick uh I can't pick a definitive favorite do you have any stories you can share with us from the celebration of that 15 cup yeah I mean there wasn't like you know it wasn't like all this debauchery and like craziness. Like, like, I don't know. It was just like the guys were having fun, but you could also tell that they were tired. Okay. So like mm-hmm. everybody, everybody had a crew out. They had, they had two like party buses that went everywhere. Um, you know, Seabrook, he would come in and he didn't move like at all. He would just sit in a place, and if people wanted, if guys, his teammates, or people wanted to come up and talk to him, he would talk. But he wasn't moving, you know, three feet for anyone, okay, until it was time to go to the next bar. So he just had, he was like the most self-assured guy in that environment that I've ever seen. So that was kind of like a cool observation. I would say um, the best was, you know, I I get there, and, you know, my, like, one of my best friends is also best friends with Scott Darling. So that was kind of, and Darling's a big stoolie. So like, that was like my connection in my in. Um, and obviously big cat, you know, was there too, but you know, we go to the first bar and the cup is like back behind the bar and we're in like this private area and I'm like very nervous. Like I've never felt like I'm the opposite of Seabrook. Like I know I'm not supposed to be there. Like, and yet I'm, and yet I'm there. Um, and felt super out of place and sharp, you know, like I had never met him, but he's, you know, been like an internet like guy for me. Like he's always been good to me. And, um, so we were getting ready to go and the bar is, you know, the cup is like behind the bar and it's probably like, I don't know, 40, 50 feet away, something like that. And sharp goes, Hey chief, go get the cup. And I'm like, you know, excuse me. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, no, like it's time to go, go get it. And I'm like, if I try to go get the cup, like, I'm going to have be taken out of here in like handcuffs. Like that's like not allowed. And he's like, ah, yeah, you're probably right. And he goes, Hey, Seeps. He's like, yeah. And Seeps like, you know, he's sitting there by himself, not talking to anybody. He's like, take chief and go get the cup. So Seeps and I like get up, we go behind, you know, walk through the crowd and I pick up the cup off the bar. I walk it out to the street to the point. Like I'm like holding the Stanley cup and I'm like, and I go to Sharp. I go to Sharp. Like, isn't this not allowed? Like, aren't there? You know, because you always hear like, yeah. unless you want it, you're mm-hmm. not supposed to hoist it. Like that whole thing. And Sharp goes, "We've won this shit three times. We don't give a fuck about any of that." So I take the cup and I just put it on the party bus right with me. And then everybody gets on the bus like nothing happened, and we go to the next place. And and it was, you know, it was like it, it was like a surreal moment. You know, so it, I, 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 you know, so fortunate. I can't like I can't, when I tell that story, it's like it's unbelievable to me. So, um, like I, I, so that would probably be my favorite, my favorite story from that night. How bad were your shakes when you were holding the cup? Um, I mean, my shakes were already out of ten. Like it's just because <laughs> you know, we're looking around the room and it's like, and I don't really get starstruck, you know, but in general, um, but it was just like. You get you do get starstruck by the Stanley Cup and and it's just like you look over and like there's you know Kimo Timonen and you know I've been watching Kimo Timonen since I was like eleven you know and it's so at, like that like I'm older than most of the guys so I didn't really like Taves and Kane like I, don't, I didn't really get starstruck with them but like 
the guys that I remember for, and ha, you know, uh, Brad Richards and people that I remember from when I was like younger, those ones, I was like, Oh, like those guys, I've been watching them yeah. for 10, 12 yeah. years. And, um, and so, yeah, it was just like, it was a really cool, really cool night. Uh, but yeah, shaking with the cup, um, a little bit. Um, but then like, but that really like picking it up, honestly, and because, and like the way Sharp had that set up, I think he could tell that I was nervous, you know, like, and felt out of place. So I think he kind of went out of his way to make me feel a part of it. So I love Sharp for that. He's just like, he's like a genuinely like good dude. And the rest of the night I felt, you know, pretty, felt much better than I did at the first bar. So, um, so yeah, it was, uh, shakes once I actually touched it, actually, that was like a calming thing, believe it or not. So, that that is an awesome story, and and you you brought up guys like Kimo Timonen, and this is one of the things that we had in our in our group chat a little bit earlier today, and we got to give Johnny a little bit of shit for it, but uh, we were talking about our second favorite teams in the league. Uh, if if you had to pick another team besides the Hawks, who are you rooting for? You know, I don't really believe in that in general. Uh, I just like I I kind of hate everyone else equally, but I I do like. I do, like Scott Darling is like one of my buddies now. So I do root for like the hurricanes. I want him, you know, to do well specifically. And same thing with, uh, with TVR. Like I generally like those guys as people. So I want them to do well. And they're kind of, you know, ways away from the Hawks in, in every possible way. Um, so I do, uh, I'll, I'll watch them. I watch them probably the second most of, uh, of any team besides the Hawks on the, you know, the game center or whatever. And, and, but I don't really have like, before, like, if Scott had never gone there, I would still be, like, the guy who hates all 30 teams. And I just have one team, and everyone else can fuck off. And that's that's kind of how I how I feel. But I do have, like, a soft spot for the Hurricanes. And when I was a little kid, um, you know, my family lived in Connecticut. So I was a huge Hartford Whaler fan. Like, my dad, like, we had, like, a 10-game pack and Jeff Sanderson and, you know, Brennan Shanahan and Keith Primo and all those like those were like my first like real like hockey heroes um and then we moved to they moved and we moved at about the same year so we moved to Chicago and I picked up the Hawks because now I like cried my eyes out about the Whalers so the fact that it is Carolina and they are going to wear Whalers jerseys yeah a couple buddies on the team um yeah so that that makes it kind of easy to root for for Carolina in a way too yeah, those jerseys are sick. I just saw that today that they're going to bring back the Whalers. Was it? I think it's only two games, but still. Yeah, better than nothing. I do wish that they were going with those the blue ones that because the green were a little bit before my time. Like I remember uh-huh. they grew up with the blue and silver and green combo um, mm-hmm. with you know the mid nineties. Those were those were my favorite, and I and I think those were a little bit better. So I wish they were wearing those, but these are these are pretty sweet too. Any yeah, thoughts hopefully- on getting? Uh- Oh, sorry. Any thoughts on getting a uh, Darling Whalers jersey now? Oh, I sent him a text about it, and I was like, <laughs> because like my other buddy is from that no Scott is from Connecticut too. So I just sent him a text like dibs. Like our buddy Russ, like he's not allowed <laughs> to have that. That's mine. I dibs. That's mine. Uh, so <laughs> I'm not awesome. a big jersey. I'm not a big jersey guy, but I would I would love to have that one. Yeah, we're we all love Darling, obviously, for what he did in twenty fifteen. Uh hopefully he has a bounce back season for Carolina this year. Speaking of guys who are skinny, he's skinny now too. He's, really? he's yeah, he's looking. I was I saw him uh, uh I wanna say maybe it was June or July, and it was like, Whoa, you've lost like thirty pounds. Like you're looking you're looking spelt. So I think he'll have a I think, you know, 
last year was a weird year for that for him in a lot of ways. So I think he'll uh, I think he'll bounce back. Does he yeah. miss Chicago? Do you think What's he misses? Do you think he misses Chicago and playing for the Hawks? Do you um, think that was part of his struggles last year in Carolina? Uh, I don't know. I you know probably I would say probably not. Um, yeah, I think he likes being a number one. He likes having number one goalie money. I think if uh, the situ if things conspired to bring him back, which I would not be totally surprised if that happened at some point in the future that he would he would jump to it. But I think he's I think he's you know he's got a nice girlfriend down there, and I think he's pretty content you know with his with his life and his role down there. I think you know if he has a good year, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the playoffs. So um, I think he's happy down there, but you know Chicago is his home. So I think you know most people want to go home you know eventually. Yeah. But um, you guys got anything else for Chief here? Well, I, I mean, I could listen to Chief talk hockey all day, but uh, <laughs> we won't uh, keep him too. Uh, yeah, we won't. We don't want to keep him too it's late. A, here. It's a school night. Yep. It is school night. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Chief, thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Um, we will hit you with the links for the show as soon as they're available. Um, and everyone, all listeners, make sure you go and check out Redline Radio, newly acquired by Barstool Sports. It's great for covering all Chicago sports, Cubs, Sox, Bears, and Hawks. So, Chief, thanks again. Yeah, anytime, boys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Chief. Thanks, Chief. Thanks, thanks guys. Chief. All right, that was Barstool Chief. Uh, guys, that was pretty good for first guess, I'd say. Uh, yeah, uh, I think he, he pretty much fucking killed that. I've got really no other hockey takes for the rest of the year. Uh, if anybody <laughs> wants to, if anybody wants to listen to Chief over on Redline Radio, uh, that's that would be a good idea. I'm not going to provide anything that's anywhere near that level of expert analysis. Uh, it was a pleasure having him on. Yeah, without a doubt, he was he was absolutely electric. I listening to his voice talk you hockey. You hear the Cubs fan coming out right now, and Ron. Was soothing me to bed. Was soothing me to bed. Just speechless, guys. <laughs> yeah, man, he really killed it. And that story for the for the parade and holding the cup with Sharpie and everything was just fucking out of this world. So, really cool to have him on and just awesome experience all around. Yep, he's a great guy. If you ever get to meet him, uh, I'd say come up to uh, any of the barstool events that they have. They're always a good time. Uh, barstool at the park. We had at the Sox game. They do that every year. I uh, came out to the tailgate. That was the first time I met him. Uh, so we were able to get this lined up and get him on the show. So uh, it was great having him. Absolutely. Does anybody else have any other, uh, anything they want to close this episode out with? I know I've got one little thing, but I'll save it. Yeah. Save it I for got, a little bit. I got one. Um, I'm going to the final preseason game on Saturday. Um, they play Columbus at home, 730. So if you want to see updates from that, um, I'll be posting them to the Blackhawks Nation Instagram page. Uh, it's the same as our Twitter handle at BLKHWKNationShy. Um, so just follow that if you want to see any uh, content. And we'll be posting our videos from uh, the podcast on there as well. So be on the lookout for that. That's all I got. Yeah. And to tag along on that, um, I know we're probably going to record <clears throat> before then, but uh, I will be at opening night. Um, on October 7th when they play the Leafs. Um, I 
don't think I have access to that Instagram page, but feel free to follow my stuff and I'll, I'll be tagging the podcast in it. So keep an eye out for anything with the podcast tags and provide some, you know, videos, pictures, whatever, whatever we can get from, uh, from opening night. Time. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty much good, man. That covers it. All right, Tony Lee. And so I know I asked chief this, what, what kind of team he, or which team he would root for, uh, if it wasn't the Hawks and I want to get into a little bit of a discussion before we, before we get out of here about the reasoning behind your answer to this question. Um, you picked a team that I did not expect anybody to pick. And actually Tyler, uh, you're also in the spotlight here. Mm -hmm. So shining on you, my friend, uh, you guys picked the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. So that's a, that's the team that we beat in the in the first Stanley Cup. I mean, how do you yeah. how do you not develop a a rivalry type hatred for the team that, that well, you played in the first Stanley Cup that you've ever watched the Hawks play? And I I want to I want some thought and reasoning behind this. So for me, it was more of just a player thing how it started. Uh, Claude Giroux, I was always a huge fan of his um, ever since he came in the league, and. Um, I, I have a number of hockey jerseys. Um, I love collecting jerseys. So I already had like probably about four or five Hawks jerseys, and I was looking for something else. Um, and I always liked the Flyers color scheme, orange and black. I mean, partially orange is my favorite color. So I'm a U of I guy, have been my whole life. So I got one of my favorite players, and I got it in one of my favorite colors. So I got an orange Claude Giroux Flyers jersey uh, without the C. So that was before he got the C. And then, so I started watching the Flyers from there, and I always liked the grit. I mean, you know, the you go back and watch clips of the uh, Broad Street Bullies and all that. Um, I mean, I know it's more of an old timey hockey thing, but I don't know. It's always uh, cool to look back on hockey history like that. So that's why I like the Flyers. And then Dan Carcillo, he was always uh, a little pest. Um, luckily, we didn't have to see him too much with them being in the Eastern Conference uh, back when he was on Philadelphia. And then when he came to the Hawks, I actually got a Carcillo. Uh, uh, Hawks jersey, so that's that's kind of where my uh, Flyers uh, fandom stem from. That's it's a second team though. It's not a don't don't get me wrong. The Hawks are always number one. I was rooting against the Flyers big time in uh, 2010. We talked about that last week too. 2010 was my favorite Cup. I loved all of the shit talking, all the Chrissy Pronger and Bufflin laying you know guys out and picking fights and Ben Eager and Adam Burris just getting in their faces. So um, yeah, it's just more of a Another team to follow on nights that the Hawks aren't playing. So, you're you're obviously now a gritty guy, right? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Did you see him checking like goalies that were doing like that skating like contest tonight? He's oh, been my, doing yeah, gritty's he's been doing a lot yeah. of stuff. It's living up to his name. <laughs> now, which mascot is more messed up, Southpaw or Gritty? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Gritty's pretty freaking. Are they from gritty. the same planet? Gritty. Um, yeah, Gritty's pretty. Yeah, gritty. Yeah, I'd say Gritty's topping them there, but they they could be. I mean, just the the whole makeup of their googly eyes and all that shit. So yeah, I'm, Gritty's I'm, the things of nightmares. Yeah. I, yeah, I think he's like, made what of it, children's nightmares. Did you? Did anybody? Did any of you guys see the reaction video of the guy that was showing the picture to his three-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> no. It's terrifying. 
Yeah, go find it. There's it's oh. uh it's on Twitter. I'll I'll try and find it after this. <laughs> when you Google Gritty the mascot, it says Gritty. Why the Philadelphia Flyers' new acid trip of a mascot must be stopped. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! The, yeah. the thing is, is that the PR move for the Philadelphia uh, Flyers has worked to this point. Um, it ha- it has definitely worked. Um, I'm yeah. just surprised he's. I haven't actually looked, but I'm pretty surprised that he's. I haven't seen him show up in any sort of NHL 19 stuff yet. Uh, I'm sure that's coming. Yeah, they need an update for just strictly gritty update. Yeah. It's be the most terrifying moment uh, in that video game. <laughs> you need to play as mascots, like just a team of gritties. You can. At, uh, you can play as yeah, mascots. That's what I'm saying. Like, you need a whole team of gritties. Like, imagine right. that. Oh, my God. Be terrifying. Would terrifying. Would be terrifying. Would I the team it. of gritties beat this current Blackhawks team? Yes. 100%. 100%. 100%. God, that's that's just disrespectful right there. <laughs> I'm just, hey, I'm just, I put it up to the vote, and you guys all said yes. So yeah. <laughs> we'll see yeah. how Chief feels about that after he listens to this episode. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, boys, that's all I've got. Uh, that's all I've got this week. Um, anything yep. else from you guys? Nope. Nope. What was that? I'm gonna wrap all it up good. here. That was episode two of the Four Feathers podcast. For Tony Marchese, Tyler Jones, and Ron Luce, I am Johnny Nani, and we'll see you next week. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.